I was up early this morning, uh, I don't know, about three, something like that, and uh, flipped on the news channels and seeing what was going on, and they were all telling me about Easter. And it's a, a fascinating expose, and it was obvious that none of these people had ever read 1 Corinthians 15, uh, which is, I would almost say, key to Easter. I have been privileged in my life to travel through the Holy Land. Um, there are several places that they believe Jesus was buried. Uh, they like to do the tit for tat. It's funny, when you travel around in Israel, you will find a, uh, a church, um, let's say... Uh, the Church of the Garden of Gethsemane. There's a church, and it's sitting there, and it's big, it's ornate, and it would be Catholic. But then you can just walk down the street about a half a block, and you see the Church of Gethsemane, which is Orthodox. It's big and ornate. Anything, anytime anything happened in the land of Israel that they could document, they would build a church, and then there was competition between the Orthodox and the Catholics. And, uh, and it's, uh, it's, it's comical uh, at the things that they do. I also had the privilege of looking in a tomb of a glass coffin. So you could look in there, and it had no head. And therefore, that was John the Baptist. And I was like, well, okay. Well, whatever you say. But I also know in the Vatican in Rome, they have a body with no head. And of course, we all know that's Paul. And that is what man does. Okay. And, and I, I kind of chuckle at it. But there is one thing that I do know for sure. Emphatically. Orthodox, Protestant, Catholic, you know what? There ain't no body. Okay? Because can you imagine if we had Jesus' body, how big that church would be? Okay? But there ain't one. There ain't one. The one that was put behind the stone is the same one that left. Okay? I remember, and, and, and you guys know this about me, some of you know this about me, 35 years ago, I set out to disprove the Bible. That was my goal. And so I started at the easiest place anywhere. If you were going to disprove the Bible, there is one topic that should be the simplest of all of humanity to disprove. The resurrection. That's just not a normal operating procedure. Okay, so that's where I began. And after a few months of studying the resurrection, it was adamantly clear to me that he rose from the dead. Okay, and I don't, I'm not going to get into all of the reasoning and rhymes about it. But what I want you and I to think about today, I want to get your mind off of Easter eggs. I want to get your mind off of chocolate rabbits and those peep things. Okay? I, those, those things, I, they just scare me. But 
I just look at that and think, there's, there's just nothing. What is it? I don't know when I'm not touching it. Um, but I think it may be proof of alien life form. What is this resurrection? What is it? Okay, Jesus rose from the dead. So he's not in the grave. Excellent. Excellent. But I'm sure that all of us have been to funerals. And we've never seen anybody get out of it. Let's pray and see if I can shed some light on that. Father, we come before you, the author and the finisher. Father, today we celebrate that the sacrifice for each of our sins, all of them, past, present, and future, were paid in full. As our Lord said, it is finished. Father, help us. Help us to understand that the greatest miracle ever bestowed upon creation was the miracle of the resurrection and the redemption of your people. Help us never flee far from that. Father, help us as the Puritan preacher preached, let it not be taken by distraction. Help us to hear what you have to say. To you, my King. To you, my Lord. Amen. I want to start in Romans chapter 6. I know that doesn't sound like a resurrection text, but it is. When you think of the resurrection, I look at it, I can look at the resurrection in three points, and I'm not going to do all three points, okay? One is was it was predicted. I can show you 272 texts out of the Old Testament that said he would be raised from the dead. All right? I don't want to do that. Okay? I, I, I don't want to do it as, as what you're dealing with now, the promise. That's not what I want to look at. I want to look at what does it do to you now in your life. What does it mean to you right now? Because it's like I said, okay, I've been to Israel. There is no body, okay? I'm buying, right? He got up, he got out, all right? I have buried a lot of people, and none of them got up and got out. So one did... But what about us? And you can look at different letters, uh, Thessalonians in particular. Uh, Thessalonians deals with people were having loved ones who believed in Christ die. And what happens at the resurrection? I mean, if these people are dead, because I've had people get, get into it about, well, what if you cremate them? What if you cremate them? Well, how will he get it back together? Really? Really? The original missionaries to Japan would go in and share the gospel to the samurais and they would cut the missionaries' heads off and they had riders that would go to the other end of the island because if God couldn't put them back together if he couldn't get the right head on the right body. Wonderful. The Jews don't want Jesus to return because they knew that Jesus said, I will come from the east and I will enter the Temple Mount. So you know what they did? They put a cemetery at the foot of the Temple Mount because a holy man can't walk through a cemetery. 
and you just sit there and go, oh, okay. So, but I listen to all these people and they're like, well, if you're not buried intact or what if you're burnt beyond recognition and this, that, or the other, how in the world will he fix that? Well, I, I tell people this, you will live your life to the size of your God. Okay, that is not a distraction for my God. Okay, that is, the, the hard part was Eli, Eli, Lama, Sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That was the hard part. That was in the past. So what is this resurrection? What does it mean for us who are sitting here right now in 2017? Starts off with this. Chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Oh, there must have been a question. It does. Comes out of verse 20 of chapter 5, 20 and 21 of chapter 5. The law came in so that the transgression would increase. That where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay, the law came in. What is he talking about? Ten Commandments. Just take take a basic Ten Commandments, all right, and, and take the just take the first one. You'll have no other gods before me, all right. I, I don't I, I don't even worry about the rest. I got to get that one figured out, all right. If you break any part of the law, you're condemned by the law. Okay, if you completely fulfill the law, you have never transgressed ever 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 break any of God's law, not even in thought or deed then you'll never die. I don't think we're doing very well. Just a hunch. That was the reason Jesus on the cross had to give up his spirit. He could have hung on the cross indefinitely because sin had no power over him. You and I, anybody that you have seen die, guess what? It's a confession that I couldn't keep God's law, any part of it. All right? So we got that out of the way. Sin reigned in death. All right? Sin rules death. The reason people die is sin. Period. The reason that we age is sin. All right? So the question would be this. The law shows us how deep that sin is. So upon seeing that, that means God's grace has got to get bigger because we are condemned. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? Isn't that the normal argument? Is that not what man does? Well, if I want more grace, then I should sin more. Okay, no, you'll die quicker. Well, you will. People say, well, how do you know you'll die quicker? Take your sin, flush it out as much as you want to the quality you want, and you'll end up like my friend younger than me up in intensive care after living on Jack Daniels for a year and a half. Now, you can't tell me that's fun. 
I've done some bizarre stuff before I came to Christ. I know its effect. Sin will never please you, but it will kill you. We were talking this morning that they're putting that new Chrysler motor in a Jeep. 750 horsepower Jeep. Whoa! You'll hit one rock and never touch planet Earth again. Who's thinking this up? Oh, those guys with the Jack Daniels. That's put a big motor in something that's supposed to crawl. But see, this is the kind of stuff that we do. Paul says, may it never be. How shall we who, now look what he says, died to sin, still live in it. See, that phrase is his argument against, let's sin more so grace will abound. He says, well, how shall we who died to sin? Now, I watch a lot of people try to do some theological yoga on this. Well, what did he mean by that? Well, we who have died to sin, how shall we live in it? That's what he meant by it. But what did he mean? Well, if you're dead to sin, how do you live in it? If you've ever been around a dead body, you know what's amazing about a dead body? It is impossible for it to sin. You can take a dead body and take a hat pin, stick it right in the cheek of the butt, and it can't even cuss you. Can't. Can't get mad at you. Can't take you off its Christmas list. There's nothing it can do for you. A dead body cannot sin. Then in verse 3. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Death. Okay, now, when I was baptized, this is the text that the preacher shouted at me (laughs) as he prepared to drown me. Okay? Okay, now the word baptism, baptismos is the word here because it's a verb action. Okay, so it is is an actual action. Now, I want you to be real careful here because this does not mean baptism saves you. Because it says that I have been immersed into his death. Okay. What we've been looking at in in Ephesians 1. We are one in Christ. We have been placed in him. When God looks down on us today. What does he see? Christ. He sees Christ. Now, we may not act like it, but it still doesn't change it. Because I have been as a Christian, as a child of the Most High God, as an adopted heir, I have been immersed into his death. How dead was Jesus? 100%. That is the reason he says he gave up his spirit. He gave up his right to live. His power of life. He quit. He ceased himself alive. 
Okay? None of us have that capability. You and I can't do that. I can give that power to a bullet. I can give it to narcotics. But I can't do it. I can't wake up and just say, well, I'm not going to live no more. Okay? It's just one of, when your kids get mad, you ever had your kids do this? I'm going to hold my breath. Okay. <laughs> Which is better than me holding your breath. But do you see what I mean? Jesus stopped it. He didn't live no more. Why? And we have been baptized into that. We have been immersed into his death. That is salvation, brothers and sisters. You know what it doesn't say here? Say this prayer and you'll be saved. Doesn't say that. Walk this aisle and you'll be saved. Doesn't say that. It says, you will be immersed into the person of Jesus Christ. You will identify with his death. If I identify with his death, then how much sin can I do? All of it. All of it. Because you know what is the problem with a living sacrifice? It don't want to stay on the altar. It wants off. Your act of spiritual worship is to be a living sacrifice, holy and pure. The problem is we're living sacrifices. And there's times that we wiggle off the altar. Therefore, Paul says, verse 4, We have been buried with him through baptism into his death, so that as Christ... Now get this part. This is where we all get kind of... Confused, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we might walk in the newness of life. Now, I want you to get that because this is where I watch people get haywire with Christianity. Okay? You and I have not been raised from the dead. Okay? And if you don't believe me, some of you can just go look in a mirror. Okay? And you can say, hey, man, no, I mean, this ain't, re- this is a resurrected body. I want my money back. Okay? He has been raised from the dead. Because he was raised from the dead, you and I now have the ability to walk in the newness of life. You got that? It doesn't say you walk in the newness of your resurrected body. Because you and I have one profound problem that I really long for. We are still in the presence of sin. There's coming a time when we will be removed from the presence of sin. And that's when you and I receive a resurrected body Because we need something that can exist in the complete absence of sin. This just makes you want to do a happy dance, doesn't it? That's better than them peeps. Do you see what I'm trying to get at? Because of his resurrection, a Christian can walk in the newness of life. It's why... um, I would give anything if the Christians would get into theology. Understand who you are in Christ now. 
Because then all of a sudden you start realizing that the struggles that you and I have, bulk of them are self-inflicted. You don't think so? Let me ask you a question. Anybody here struggle with patience? None of you. Oh, two. We got two that don't lie. <laughs> that's, that's, that's good. <laughs> you, know, you know, but now think about it. If God's not in control, then I would be impatient. But if God is in absolute control, why would I be impatient? Anybody ever struggle with anger? Only rush hour traffic. <laughs> Only rush hour traffic. Or on my bike and somebody's not paying attention because they're impatient. And anyway, we'll go down that road. Anger means that you, your importance has been elevated to a degree that you are more important than the situation and or individual that you are now angry with. That's what it means. I can tell you how to never, ever have a disagreement ever again. Ever. With anybody. Really, I can. Consider others more important than yourself. Now just go do that. That's what Paul told the Philippians. Be anxious for nothing. But in prayer and supplication, consider others more important than yourself. Now just go do that. Perfect. I remember uh, last Tuesday, I was sick. It was awful. I was in the midst of my dieting format. I did not want to talk to somebody. I did not want to hear somebody. I did not want nothing around me. I did not want my dog on my bed with me. I don't want nothing. And I had to lean on things to go from the the bed to the bathroom to back again. All day long. And I was not a pleasant person. Okay? I, I just don't do well with fasting. Okay? My Bible says give thanks and eat. And when you, you open your eyes and you're like, I can't even give thanks. I'm still here. Okay? Now, I know you guys never struggle with that, but you'll have to bear with me. I'm still an earthen vessel, and every once in a while, uh, get me out of this thing. Um, I, I share that because I had people knew I was back in town and felt it was necessary that they converse with me. And as soon as I answered the phone, I went, how are you doing? Awful. That should be a key. Okay? I mean, you know, I mean, if someone answers, awful. What does that mean? I'm still not dead. Okay? That should be, well, I should call later. Yeah. Good idea. All right? But for some reason, people don't get my... I didn't realize that was a mixed message. <laughs> But these are the things that I want you to think about because it says Christ has been raised from the dead through the glory of the Father 
then he puts this phrase on the end of it so that we might walk in the newness of life. That is totally awesome. I mean, it is totally awesome. I quoted this at my grandson's dedication. We had gotten in there and they had like 92 services and three French hens and two turtle doves and all kind of weird stuff going on. And so I had eaten an early breakfast. And some of you know I'm a type 1 diabetic. I was sitting there and I thought, man, am I getting hot? Is it, is it hot in here? So I, my son sat next to me and I said, hey, man, is this hot in here? He said, no, it's not bad. So I, I thought, well, I mean, maybe I'm getting this colder thing and all the rest of it. And it dawned on me that we were getting ready to start this thing, that my sugars were dropping. And so I'm digging around in all of my pockets for candy or whatever, and Mr. I am I'm a planner and I'm prepared, I got nothing. And I'm sitting there thinking, how in the heck am I going to get through this? You know, nothing like having a diabetic coma as your grandson is dedicated. So I shut my eyes and I said, Lord... I can walk in the newness of life. I really need your help. You know what went away? Just like that. Went away. I was just like, wow. I mean, I quit sweating. One of the ways I can tell is I sweat in strange places. And it just stopped. And I was like, huh. They dedicated my son. I listened to a message. I can't tell you what it was, but it was a message. And then the dedication of Eric and I got up and got out and drank me one of them foo-foo coffees. It's got whatever. It looks like a liquid pie. <laughs> it's like I, that's got to have sugar in it somewhere. So I drank that and it was all better. But that's the newness of life. It's the newness of life. The thing that you and I miss when our walks... And it is through the glory of God the Father. You ever seen grouchy Christians? Their, their foreheads are all wrinkled up. And they're, you know, I'm here praying. Well, good. You, know, you need to get saved. So do you. <laughs> Those people, you just sit there and go, oh, no. You know, get up on the wrong side of the bed and fell out the window on a two-story house? What? The reason is, is that they've got enough information that they're trying to do this. I'm smart enough to say, I can't do this on my best day. But I can walk. And as I walk, he shows me what the newness of life is. And he did it because he raised his son as the propitiation for your and my transgressions. You know what another word from propitiation is if you translated it into the Hebrew? It's, it's fascinating. Mercy seat. The mercy seat. That seat that's set between the two angels on the Ark of the Covenant is the substitution. You put blood on that seat. And that was the substitution. But we now live on this side of the cross, and I don't have to look at the types or the shadows. I look at the, the true mercy. Now, all that's introduction. 
Everybody's like, oh my God. I want to deal with something here. Verse 5. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Right? You get that? Very simple, very easy, right? Let me show you something. This phrase, it's a little complicated in the original language. I hope I don't just booger this up and everybody walks out and goes, I don't have any idea what he just told me. Okay, but I'm going to try. All right. If, okay, now he's got this, this is the salvation clause. If we have become united with him in the likeness of his death. Remember, we have been baptized into his death. Okay, but then he uses united with him. All right, some of your translations may say united with the likeness of him. Okay, or it might say united or with him. Okay, well, I understand why the English writers struggle with this. Okay, because it is a little bit complicated. The word with him is the word son. Okay, and it means with somebody. If me and Stan walk out to the car and we're side by side, someone would say, I am with Stan. Okay, got it? So I understand that part. The word that they mess up is united. Okay, some will say in the likeness. All right, but the word united. United there is the word meta in the Greek. Okay? Now, what I want you to think about, I have been identified with his death in baptism. Okay? I've been baptized into his death. I now, because he was raised from the dead, I can now walk in the newness of life. And we all sit there and say, but I know the grumpy Christians. And they're, they get all these do's and don'ts and they run around trying to beat everybody to death with do's and don'ts. Okay? The problem is, is this word united with. Okay? I am with Christ. Right? The word united there, for all of you who really wanted to know, is perfect tense. Okay? In the original language. All right? Well, yahoo. Okay? What that is, is that an action in the past determines the present action. This is what I've been trying to get at this whole time. An action in the past has now caused this present action. What was that present action we looked at? Walk in the newness of life. Now, this gets more than just... Okay, I'm with Jesus in a past action. I am now in a present action. Okay, I got it. All right, it's more than that. I'm going to use my buddy's illustration. I just came from Tennessee, and I ate biscuits and gravies three meals a day for four days. But God cleansed me <laughs> Monday to Wednesday. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't want me to look like a Pillsbury Doughboy. He says, here, I'll fix that. See, see, he looks out for his foolish children. Anyway, I love homemade biscuits. I mean, I do not know anything else on the planet 
Say, I, now, I'm not talking about that thing you bang on the corner and it pops open. I'm talking when you take, uh, I don't cook. Okay, my gift is eat. But you take flour and butter and whatever else and you put it all together and you put the dough out there and then you cut them in the biscuits and all the rest of it. I don't know what else is missing there. Some of you will say, well, he doesn't cook, does he? No. When you eat like I do, you don't dare cook. Okay, but anyway, this word meta, because it's perfect tense, is like taking the ingredients of a biscuit and you roll it all together, okay, and then you lay it out and you cut them into biscuits. Okay, technically at that point, I can still take each of those biscuits back to the original ingredients. But if you take that oven and you preheat it to whatever you preheat it to, 425. I cook everything at 425. Sometimes I'm faster than others. But at 425, you put it in there. You put them biscuits in there until they're golden brown. Guess what? You can't separate them ingredients ever again. Got it? That's what that word is referring to. You're a Jesus biscuit. You cannot separate the molecular structure of the Lord Jesus Christ from his people. You can't separate it. That's what that means. So when he says you can walk through the glory of the Father, you can walk in the newness of life. You know what he just said? You and Jesus, you're not walking together side by side holding hands. You are one in essence. You can't separate the two ever, ever again. Well, you're a Calvinist. No, I'm a Biblicist. That's what that says right there. We have become united with him in the likeness of his death. Certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his death. His resurrection. Brothers and sisters, that that blows chocolate rabbits right out of the water, doesn't it? Completely gone. Who in the heck wants an Easter egg when I can be a biscuit? (laughs) Everybody's going to walk out of here. The only thing I know for sure is that we're Jesus biscuits. And you're like, yeah, all right. Throw the gravy, bro. (laughs) Knowing this. Our old self is crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be what? Slaves of sin. It doesn't, it, you got to note this. It doesn't mean you won't sin. But sin is not your master. You know, I, I, I was thinking about my buddy who's, I'm going to try to see this week if, I don't know, Lord, whatever. And I know what he's going to say. I know what the doctors are going to say. Well, he's an alcoholic. No, he ain't. He's an idolater. That's all it is. It's idolatry. I have something that's more important than fill in the blank. That's all it is. Listen, I come from that background. I know all that stuff. I had the quote unquote addictive personality. Whatever I liked, I wanted more. 
I understand it. But then it dawned on me, no, it was my master. I'd rather have this. Why? I don't know. No, that ain't it. It's an idol. It's something that is more important to you than the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it is. Because the old self is crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be done away with so that we are no longer slaves to sin. I have a new master. Remember, we were looking at it in Ephesians 1. I have been bought and paid out of the slave market. I have a new owner. For he who has died is freed from sin. When you struggle with sin, know this. You're wanting to go back to the old master. That's all it is. And you know what? Um, I I had a friend. I've shared this with you before. I had a friend who had uh, a billionaire friend. I mean, the jets and cars, and he was single and could do whatever he wanted to do. And my buddy's a pastor, and they would play golf together. And uh, they were talking about spiritual things, and he made a comment. He says, John, do you pray for me? He says, every day, pray for your salvation. He says, I think you're wasting your time. He says, why do you think I'm wasting my time? He says, I don't want to give up what I have. I can travel anywhere I want, anytime I want. I have a private jet. I have women who adore me. I can do anything I want, anytime I want, anywhere I want, with anyone I want. Why would I give that up? John looked at him and says, you don't give it up. When you come to salvation, the price tags change. What you used to think was valuable... It's not as valuable anymore. I share with you guys, I don't like people. Well, I'm not lying to you. I just don't. They're, they're nasty. <laughs> and they bother me when I'm sick. <laughs> and when God started pushing me toward the pulpit, I argued hard. Are you out of your everlasting gourd? You made me. You knit me in my mother's womb. You know what I don't like. And you're telling me I got to like it. But as I said, I was in the process of trying to disprove scripture. And I came across that. My grace is sufficient. I did argue a little bit after that, but I I knew I was whooped. But now I've had some of my greatest rewards is with people. Some of my greatest pain has been with people too, but I had that before Christ. Okay? Why? Because through the glory of the Father at the resurrection of Jesus Christ, each and every Christian can now walk in the newness of life 
And you know what I've learned? The price tags changed. Things that I used to hold dear. Eh, not so much. I mean, I hear people traveling and getting to see this and that. And they say, well, you get to travel. Yeah, everybody needs to go to Russia in March. I mean, it is so glorious. And everybody is so miserable. Uh, Yeah. And if that ain't good enough, I highly suggest you go to the vacation capital of the planet. Baku, Azerbaijan. Right on the Caspian Sea. You can look south and see Iran because they all like us. I can look north and see the Chechnyans. Those are wonderful people too. And then you have this big old saltwater sea that smells like ExxonMobil. And the whole place, you're like, you guys better not smoke cigarettes around here or we're all out of here. It's awful. They've got a rock that's been on fire from natural gas for a minimum of 5,000 years. They said they tried to put it out during World War II because the Germans would use it for bombing runs. And they could use that as a staging area. They couldn't put it out. (laughs) Who thought that up? (laughs) And across from this flame shooting out of this rock, you just go up over a little hill, there's a road, and you go look back, it looks like this huge lake. It's standing oil. And I was like, if you guys ever get together here, we'll all know it. But if he wants me to go there, then I'll go. I share this because, you know what? If you are truly his today, you have been united with him in the likeness of his death. Certainly, you are also in the likeness of his resurrection. And you may now walk in the newness of life. That's what Easter Sunday is. That's awesome. That's totally awesome. And if you are His, it is impossible to molecularly distinguish you and Christ. You are one. It's if people talk about the Trinity. Well, the Trinity doesn't—it ain't spoken of in the Bible. Nobody talks about all three of them. And I understand that they're united. They're meta. They're the perfect tense. The action in the past has determined the presence. And they've added you and I to that presence. Brothers and sisters, that's Easter. That is Easter. He has risen. He has risen indeed. And he has raised you and I to walk in the newness of life. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the freedom of sin. Father, thank you that we are now slaves of righteousness. Help us to be slaves of obedience. Father, help us that we will shun sin. And Father, watch the newness of life. Rejoice at what you have done through the glory of the Father. And that we would walk worthy of this amazing calling. I praise you, my King. I thank you for this time together. Father, I thank you for this glorious, beautiful day. And Father, I thank you that you have drawn each and every one of us to understand that we are now Jesus' biscuits. We love you and we praise you in Christ alone. Amen.